Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to another episode of My Independence Report, and we've got a good one for you today, ladies and gentlemen. I want to, I first of all, I want everybody to know that um, we're still in COVID uh, nineteen, so please wear a mask and please wash your hands and please practice social distancing. We are going to talk with a gentleman who is knee deep in that, and uh, all of his uh, first responder people that he works with are all knee deep in, in COVID-19. And uh, the reason I wanted to have him on specifically is because he's written something really cool that I would love for him to read on the air. And secondly, he is a fellow bus driver uh, of mine that uh, we work together. Well, we, we've never worked together, but we work for Metro in Seattle. And uh, he is a bus driver, been doing that a couple of years. And, and we wanted to talk about uh, what it's like being a bus driver in a major metropolitan area as long as well as what it's like for him to drive with coven and uh, um and all of that so we're going to talk a great deal about that we're calling this episode a view from the seat a bus driver's story so with that i'd like to welcome eric hall eric how are you i'm well kevin thank you for having me on i appreciate this opportunity to share what's going on well i i in my view from how it happens I'm glad that you're here because I've, I've done uh, a podcast by myself about um, what it's like driving a bus, and I don't think people believed it. So I, it, 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 it'll be fun having somebody else's opinion about it. But the reason that I wanted specifically to have you on is you wrote something recently. And by the way, you have a blog, do you not? Yes, Transit Transients and Other Stories from Seattle. Cool. So, and where can they find this blog? WordPress. If they put in transit transients at wordpress.com, it'll come up right away. And I've even searched with just transit transients and it'll come up. Oh, cool. So, so go to his blog, but there's something that I would like him to read because it's very descriptive about what it's like to go drive a bus through downtown Seattle. So, young man, the floor is yours. You know, I wrote this on uh, July 11th, which was a Saturday. And it really hit me, like some stories do, they just kind of come to you and you go, oh, I gotta, I gotta write this down. And I've been feeling quite a, different, quite a bit different about my job since the virus hit. And I'll be honest, uh, the nature of the job has changed dramatically without commuters. Commuters is what makes the job in my mind really meaningful because you get a few minutes with each person and you get a read on who and what they are and a little inside view of their life, which is fascinating to me because I've always been a people watcher. With the nature of it changing, people watching is still there but you're watching a different scene because all of the commuters and the people going about their daily lives are now an extreme minority. 
And now what you see are in downtown area, mostly the homeless, mostly the people that have uh, behavioral issues, God help them, uh, with whatever struggles in life uh, that they deal with, they're more prominent, they're more uh, visible to us. So I wrote this piece, and it's called Saturday, July 11th, 2020. The nature of this job feels like it has changed since the virus hit. I will admit the driving is easier for sure. Sometimes there are no other cars on the road and far less riders. To the point, sometimes there are no commuters. And this is where the nature of the job has changed. Third Avenue has been bus stops only for a few years now, usually lined with commuters, day visitors, shoppers, people running errands, and of course, street people who are in the minority and could often disappear into the crowd. With few people that are not street people nowadays, we drivers are more aware or directly affected by them. Southbound, 3rd and Lenora approaching Pine Street is a long stretch of benches which used to be used by commuters. Now has been a place for the druggers and street people. 9 a.m., I drive by a man in his 40s shooting up as he leans against the building. His arms are pocked, splotchy, swollen. He is struggling to put the needle into a vein. He finds it and shoots the drug in. Next to him is a young man who has been covered in tentacle-like cancer. I've spoken about him before. Today he is wrapped in an army blanket. He is spitting what I think is blood onto the sidewalk. Next to him, there are a couple of tents with piles of garbage laying street side. Out of one of the tents, a young woman who I've seen on the street several times dressed like a prostitute is poking her head out of the flap and is yelling something to the tent just south of her. An old woman dressed in black, her gray hair poofing out beneath her hoodie, pushes her grocery cart of belongings through the crowd of homeless druggies. They ignore her as she makes her extra, as she makes an extra effort not to trip or pass over their belongings. My window is open, and there is a smell of weed in the air. I drive past Pine, continue south, approaching Pike. There is a small group of young men, baseball caps, sag jeans, Nike shoes. A smart speaker is blasting rap as they complete a drug sale. I arrive at my stop. One of the guys from that crowd jumps on my bus, lays down on the back seat, puts his cap over his head, and appears to go to sleep. I pull away from the stop and make it halfway down the street to see a young, blonde woman desperately waving me down. I slow and open my door. My friend is trying to make this bus, too. I see a young man running for the bus about a half a block away. When he sees I am stopped, he begins to walk, putting his headphones on. I'm under the impression he isn't getting on, so I begin to close the doors, which makes him run again. So I open them. He stops and walks this time slower. I leave the doors open for him. He glares at me with a death stare as he enters the bus. His girlfriend follows him on to the seat to get off at the very next stop. The nature of this job has changed. Months of people on drugs and otherwise dysfunctional is now my main customer service challenge. I still have drops of compassion for them. People that use drugs on a daily basis, weed or stronger, it changes their perception of the world and who they are. They often do not realize they're irrational, nor do they realize how, how their actions affects others. They only, they only feel themselves as the drug prescribes them to. The streets look different. Their demeanor has changed their appearance. Negative energy is what they exude. I still, have ve I still very much enjoy this job. I have found 
to deal with the constant barrage of the drug-induced, I look for ways to balance ugly with fine lip. I make sure to go have a steak with a good glass of wine while I watch Puget Sound View. I go for a walk on a near-island beach and bird watch. Walk in the woods, listen to the creatures make their lives. I go window shopping at nice boutiques and see the current collections of housewives. I go gallery walking, read a good book, listen to symphonies, come home, close the door, laugh at a sitcom, or watch a hero take down a drug dealer. Before westernization, indigenous cultures had drug use for ceremonial purposes. Shaman, elders, often oversaw the use of drugs with the tribe members for spiritual effect. As far as I know, there wasn't the problems with the drugs we have now. Where drugs are a constant recreation, mine adjusts to what is normal for us. I won't blame the drugs for all the decay I see, but it's clear there is a problem. As I write this, I'm finishing a scotch and sour. <laughs> and that's the end of my story. <laughs> that, if, uh, yep. hold, hold on just a second. <laughs> that was absolutely outstanding, young man. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. I, it, it, I had to bring up the scotch and sour just to point out the fact that I'm using a drug myself to handle watching all the drugs. It's <laughs> ironic. It is. It, <laughs> it really is ironic, and that that is the life of a uh, bus driver now. It's you know, fortunately, I fortunately and unfortunately, I fell in February and tore my rotator cuff. I'm still off work today uh, because of that injury. And it actually may have saved my life because the COVID is, is we've had, sadly, we've had a couple of bus drivers die from it. I've people, heard that. People that are just going to work to try and feed their families. And bus yeah. driving right now is at the very tip of the spear of the front line of the, uh, of the, of the essential workers that are really trying to, you know, get through every day. And these people that, that are on your bus today, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of them, they don't want to wear masks. They are not, they, they still adhere to uh, proper sanitation if they wash their hands once every three weeks. And, you know, that's the other thing. They just, the homeless and the druggies, they, they don't have the normal processes that we do. So they don't, like you said, they don't have masks and they're not aware that uh, taking a shower every day is uh, beneficial to their health. You know, it's secondary to taking that hit. And the fact that they don't have access to uh, simple things like a bathroom makes a huge difference in their lives. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was listening to a conversation from a couple of guys that were on the bus and they were both homeless. And one said to the other one, yeah, no, there's a whole, we got a whole group of stuff. You see, on Tuesday, we go have dinner here. And then on Wednesday, we go have lunch here and dinner over there. And then and then every day. And then on Friday, we get to go to uh, another place and we get to get um, goods and handouts and all that. So there are some people who live on the streets that have got a complete itinerary of what they do on a weekly basis in order to survive. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, I've come across that. And I, you know, I'm glad to hear those things that they have some sort of little program involved in their lives and keeping them in tune with what's going on in the world. 
So let me ask you, Eric, what decided you to become a bus driver? Well, very much like you, I was facing a midlife decision about uh, how to handle what happens next. And I was having financial difficulties, trying to stay alive as an artist. And I was going through the websites, finding out what kind of jobs are out there that offer Oh, what in my mind would be a job that I could show up for at 9 a.m. and leave at 5 a.m. and leave the job behind and then focus on the things that I want to do, paint and draw and write and do all these things. And I came across the Metro website, uh, government jobs, and a driver was listed there. And I drove when I was younger. I drove a school bus. So... I applied and worked out. My father worked for Metro back in the 70s, and he was certainly impressed with the organization. And I remember his uh, good words about it. So that's how I went about it and interviewed and was lucky enough to get offered the position. And uh, here I am a few years later. Yeah, I I started in 2008, and my children will tell you they're both in their late 20s, early 30s. They will both tell you that this job, and me going to work for Metro for 11 years literally saved our family's life. And uh, yeah, there are there are some, um, I'm sure there are some bus drivers that are listening to this that have on what I call a golden handcuff. And I would, <laughs> I would really like, I would, let me explain what that means. What that means is the job pays pretty well. The benefits are, are government benefits, so they're outstanding. And uh, you can't really get those kind of benefits in the private sector. But there are people that are so uh, unhappy with the job that they do and with, with what the job is, but they can't quit because they make too much money. And so they have what I call the golden handcuffs on. And, and I would really like people to take those golden handcuffs off and to really appreciate the job for what it is. Is it perfect? No. Was there a, was there a time when I I've had um, issues with folks? Yes. Um, I've got I've got stories upon stories upon stories that we're going to get into here in a, in a little bit about uh, some of the stories that we have of day to day bus driving. But by and large, I find it rather humorous. The, a, a lot of the stories are you know at the time they may not have seemed all that exciting or, or funny, but uh, it, down the road. Uh, they they are. Do you have a favorite story of yours of your interaction with with uh, uh, a another car or or with a with a writer that that you'd like to share? You know, I've I've got a couple, but I'm going to pull one out that I think is a, a terrific story, and it's about a relationship I had with an older woman who I almost never spoke to except for to greet her in the morning when she got on. And I'd see her maybe once or twice a week. And this went on for about a year. And I was always impressed with the woman because she had impeccable manners and she was always dressed really well. She just struck me as a really neat woman. And Christmas came. And this is where the relationships with people can change in an instant because sometimes they meet your expectations and surpass them. Sometimes they don't. 
And this woman certainly surpassed my expectations. And, and just as I said that, my computer dropped the story. But I, I call the story Driving on Christmas and the Best Muffin in the World. Apologize. That's all right. I'll tell you what you 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 uh, um, pull that one up. By the way, you can go to Transit Transients, and you can. um, I assume that's on your blog, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Transit Transients and other stories. Yeah. Well, and I've got a couple of positive stories. Another one is about uh, conversations with Katie, and she is a development developmentally challenged woman who I've gotten to know over the years, over the last couple of years, and and we had a terrific story. So not all, I'd have to say, when life is normal, about half of the stories are excellent. You get all these positive interactions with people. I have to restart my computer. (laughs) Well, that's all right. It makes the job it makes the job worthwhile because I've always loved the short uh, interaction with people. Um, even at parties, I've noticed myself, I'm not great at small talk, but I love to meet people and I love to say something, hear them for a couple of minutes and move on. So the short exchange is perfect for me, which makes this job perfect for me in a lot of ways because I can say hello to somebody. I can say have a good day. And they say the same things to me. And it means something. Just the tone of their voice, you get a read into how they're feeling that day. And you might be able to say something that makes them laugh. And it changes your whole day in a very positive way. And then and I've also seen. Hmm? <laughs> and then there are those other stories. Um, and then there's the other story. <laughs> um, well, in in a positive in a positive story, I, while your your computer is uh, rebooting, uh, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Nick. I met Nick on the 164 right after I had uh, picked that particular route, and he gets on my bus and he has a uh, unicorn, a stuffed unicorn, staffed or or strapped to his arm, and I I. I said to him, now, is that a unicorn? And he said, yep. And he collects unicorns. At that time, he had 70. Now he's got well over 150 of these stuffed little animals. He's a uh, a developmentally challenged young man, but he loves buses. He knows more about buses than you and I combined. He can tell you what bus, what year it was made, and what routes it drives. He gets on the bus just to play. So... He was, he was standing there on my bus that day and he started calling out the stops and inviting people onto the bus and he was acting like my conductor. So I let him do that. He made a couple of round trips on the bus and, and by the end of that time, he was getting off the bus saying 164 service to Green River leaving soon. And then 164, we're on our way, we're leaving. And he'd get on the bus and he would get off the bus and then allow people in. The fun part was the reaction of some people was like, who the hell are you and why are you talking to me? And there were other I people, love that. And there were other people that were like, yay, Nick, you go. And uh, he ended up, until the time of my injury, 
he rode with me a couple of days a week and and it was always fun because the and it got to the point literally the eric where he would where people would get on the bus and they'd say where's your assistant and I said, well, well, he he rides on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and he's not he's not here. I said, oh, that's too bad. And he developed friendships, and it, he had a real positive energy. He never got mad, even though there were a couple of times when guys would get mad at him and say, "What are you talking to me for?" He was he was very open and very positive with everybody, and uh, he he became he became a really good part of. The job that I did. As a matter of fact, I still owe him a hamburger. So if Nick, you're you're uh, if you're uh, listening, I'll get you that hamburger here. We'll go out to lunch pretty soon. And uh, uh, I, I want to be included in that one, Kevin. You're you're welcome. You're 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 welcome to come and meet included. and to meet Nick and and stuff. He's he's he, he's a great. He's 23 years old. He's he's um and he's slightly developmentally disabled, like I said, but he's a great kid. And um and then of course there's the other stories. I, I, yeah. I, is your computer up and rebooted or, or Kevin? Can, it is up. Okay. Well, you it can, is up. You t- we'll, we'll do. We'll spend a little bit of time swapping stories. So give me your story. Okay. This is driving on Christmas in the best muffin in the world. I would have considered this day is pretty uneventful. I, I had a few more people than I expected. They were all on their way somewhere. Traffic was very light. The weather was clear. A bus warmed up this morning. Then the heater went out about halfway through my first run up to Shoreline Community College. I called it in. Transit control would get me a new bus on my run back to Westwoodville. Heading down Greenwood, I stopped by an assisted living building. It's a very nice facility. I understand it's pricey to live there, and it's excellent in its services, and the condos are spacious and well-appointed. I've picked up this woman at the stop many times over the course of the last two years. She's over 80, always well-dressed, even when dressed casually. Her hair is perfect. Makeup is well done. She's fashionable and accessorized. She has always struck me as well accomplished. She communicates well and very direct. I've thought of her as rather grand, though we have never had a conversation more than a general greeting. Today, she gets on a bus carrying a large Tupperware container. Oh, hello. Merry Christmas. She says, Merry Christmas, as I said. She sits at the front. She's in a burgundy coat, black stockings, matching heels, wonderful scarf. Her hair is perfect. You look like you're on way on your way to somewhere fun, I said. Yes, she replied. Granddaughter's first time hosting Christmas. Wonderful, I said. Yes, it's my job to bring these muffins. Everyone knows how to make them, but they have made it my job. No one cooks better than grandma's, I said. That's so true, she said. This is my grandmother's recipe. She taught me how to make them, and I make them every year. Taught my daughter, then taught my granddaughter. I love family traditions like that, I said. The recipe has changed a bit since my grandma made them. We lived in Idaho. I grew up in a cabin. My grandparents didn't have power, and back then, grandfather built this cabin. Not very big, large fireplace, exposed timbers, wood stove. They got by the lantern. It was a farm. They had some livestock, but all of it was very modest. We made our own butter, milk from the cow, eggs were fresh, and the squash were from the garden. So, so much now is store-bought. It's all easier, but I think they have dropped a bit in taste. That's amazing, I said. We pulled in near Woodland Park, too. She stood up and walked towards me, opening the Tupperware. Here, take a few. 
oh gosh, I couldn't. I have a policy and I've taken food from people on the bus for obvious reasons of being way too risky. Of course you can. I want you to. Please take some. You know, I have so much food on my bag. Those look really good. She smiled and said, take. I took one and thanked her profusely. Merry Christmas, sir. You're always so nice to me. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas, ma'am. It's my pleasure. She stepped off and I pulled away with the muffin stored and napkin to my left. It was a light day in traffic and I couldn't help to think of her growing up in a cabin. No power, snow, warmth of a fire. I imagine the cabin's fireplace, river rock, mantle made out of timber. Her grandmother in a calico dress and a white apron with lace. Maybe I watched too much TV. I drove through our city of cement, steel, glass. I drove my near million dollar bus through the streets and with many people and thought of her and how her Christmases have changed. No power, then radio, then TV, track housing, moon landing, internet. The list is huge. Her experience then is so different from her granddaughter's experience of Christmas. But they share a tradition, muffins. Muffins that have a recipe of perhaps 100 years, maybe more, as I have to think her grandmother learned to cook from her mom. Maybe her grandmother. So perhaps food now isn't what it used to be. So much now is ready-made. Flour, butter, pasteurized milk, ingredients from all over the world are available now. Few people grow their own food, much less cook from scratch at the level of turning their own burger, butter, picking their own eggs. It was fun to think about. New bus was waiting for me at first and lander. A couple of customers changed quietly buses. Uh, customers quietly changed buses with me and continued on. Dropping someone occasionally, I pulled into Westwood with one person to drop off. Merry Christmas, he said. I waved back at him, wished him the same. I lifted the muffin, perfect color. Not a cupcake style, but the old school type, the type that has a top. I thought again of how old this recipe might be. I took a bit and held it in my mouth. I should have taken more. That's the end of my story. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, it's interesting because there are people who we take back and forth every day and that's how they get around. They don't have a car. Yeah. They're not able to drive and they depend upon us every day for their transportation needs, going to the doctor, going to the store, going to their daughter's house. And it's, it really is an important function that we, that we uh, do for, for people all over the place. That's right. We're critical. Like they've got his uh, title. We're crucial workers. We're necessary to be out there. And you see, why, you see why. You know, I love the fact that this woman is in her 80s. She obviously has the means to have a car. But for some reason, she's not driving now. And... I get a sense that she's too independent to have her kids or grandkids come and get her. She wants that independence. She wants access to her own life. And we help provide that. It's a very necessary service at any age, you know, from the kids going to school, which we get a number of those, to the elderly that just uh, want their own lives. Absolutely. And these, these are the people who are so dependent upon our system, and this is why we need to keep transit alive. Uh, and, and keep it going. And transit's going through a tough time right now with the virus and stuff. But but it shall recover again. And with the with the help of great operators like you, and I'd like to think like I was, that uh, we we can really uh, make a difference. Um, and then and then uh, um, let's see. I'm 
trying to think of, of <laughs> I got lots of stories, but not all of them are that positive. Although I do have to say that when I first started, when I was just in a year or so, I would get gifts from people um, at the at the shakeup. Now, for those who don't know what a shakeup is, every three months or at that time, well, at that time, every four months, basically, we pick our work for the next four or three months. And, and we uh, get to pick different work and stuff. So a lot of people at the end of the shakeup would come forward and say, you know, you've been a great bus driver. I've really enjoyed uh, going back and forth for you. You do it safely. Um, and we, you get us where we needed to go. And so here, have this. And it, it really is a, a very nice gesture on people's parts. That's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. And it I mean something. Yes. If see, I've always, Eric, I've always wanted to become a supervisor so that I could go to the part-time and full-time classes because what I got a lot of when I went to the part-time and then the full-time was, and especially the full-time, I was told, we were told by one of the supervisors, this job will change you. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, what am I going to become a woman or something? What? I don't, I, you know, it's going to change. It, 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 <laughs> how, 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 how's it going to change me? And, and the reality is if you allow it to, it will, it's like anything else that you do. Uh, and you meet a lot of people that you may find, uh, to be a little negative or whatever, but, and it can change you if you let it, but you don't have to let it because, as we discussed before we did this podcast, your life can be much easier if you just let it go. That's right. You can't control everything that goes on. And this is a great job. And pardon me for bringing in religion. But if you're a Buddhist, this is a perfect job for you because you live in the moment and you have to let the universe be as it is. (laughs) And it takes a certain mantra to keep that in perspective. You're absolutely right. I when somebody when there's somebody that is at the base and they're and they're arguing or not arguing, but they're they're bitching, bitching about somebody, and it's like nah, 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 nah. I a lot of times I'll say, "Do I need to get you your Zen garden?" <laughs> That's it. We live in the moment. I can't speak for every job. I've spent 27 years as an interior designer, and you're working on projects that end three to six months out. And, you know, there's a whole long process to the job. But driving a bus, you're living in the moment. Better than any job that I've had before, you can break that job down into an hour, into a half an hour, the very next street, the street light, or being aware of everything that's happening in the moment, as you should be, because it is a safety issue. But when you break things down that clearly, and let everything else go and just focus on what's important at that moment. Everything else falls into perspective. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In my work experience, I have to, I have to tell you, I've had the reverse of being a powerful man. When I was younger, I was in the restaurant business and I uh, was able to get to the position of being a general manager of a major property. It was a $3 million property back in the eighties. And that was, which was a lot of, uh, it, we ran through a lot of folks. I had 80 staff, four of managers and a kitchen manager. And I, they, all of them looked to me for guidance and support. And I was the king. I was the guy. 
And then, then I went, uh, into, I went into sales, uh, food service sales, and I was no longer the guy, but I still had people that needed me to get them their food and, and stuff. And I had some measure of degree. And then I went into, to, uh, um, chicken sales and that was the same thing. And then I drove a bus. It's like, <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody cares whether I live or uh, die. All they want to do is to get to the next stop or to get to where they're going. And nobody, nobody gives a rat's ass about you, honestly. Um, unless, no. uh, unless you do something that is so out of the ordinary and so positive that they notice you. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool because, you know, the one thing I've learned about human nature is, well, I'll give you an example. One time I was going up, uh, uh, fourth Avenue and I stopped at, uh, Pike, I think it was, uh, Pike and, uh, to let people off. And there was a, um, I looked, I looked up and there was a blind lady trying to walk across the street. She had a white cane and she was in the crosswalk and then she started to meander to the right. And as she was trying to cross the street and ended up in the middle of fourth Avenue. Oh my gosh. And so I stopped, I stopped the, or I, I put my brake on, which you're supposed to do, of course. And I opened the door and I ran out there as best as a 60 year old guy can run to, uh, to grab her by the arm and lead her back to the sidewalk, back to where, uh, it was safe for her. And, uh, I, I had like three people on the bus and they said, uh, I get on the bus and said, sorry for the delay. And they said, Oh no, you did great. That was awesome. What's your name? We want to call it in. They never called it in. That's a friend of mine. Of course. Of course. They, they, but they appreciated the moment. <laughs> they appreciated the moment. And I gave them the bus number. I gave them my name. They never called it in. Um, and, and it was, you know, and that happens all the time. We get, don't get recognized for the good things that we do. And like in most jobs, we get penalized for the, the things, the mistakes that we make. And those are always inevitably. If I make a mistake and make somebody mad at me, I hear about it because they write that up. But if you do something good, nah. So you have to take your, you have to take your own self and be able to say, I did a good job there and let it go. That's the whole thing, man. I'm with you on that. Got to live in the moment. You got to make yourself happy because nobody else is going to do it. it unless, unless it's a whiskey sour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it helps. It helps. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> I want to make sure people understand as a bus driver, I have maybe three to four drinks a month, but there are days when I really want a nice cocktail and I sit down and drink one and I'm entitled to that, but I don't want to give anybody the impression I'm drinking because, uh, because of the job. No, no. And, and you know, we all have our, we all have our lifestyles and, and we all handle stress differently. Some people like to, yeah. you know, some people like to go out and run uh, to handle their stress and other people sit down and watch a movie and other people sit down and do a podcast like I do or, or create something <laughs> or like you do and, and stuff. So we all have a different ways of handling our stress, but, um, but so do you have another story for us? You know, I do. And this one I called, this is like three positive stories and I call it some interactions on the bus. And I wrote this book, I wrote this story because of the variety that I come across and how I can relate personally 
to what I see, which is going on. So part of the story gets rather personal, but I've got it in my blog, and I'm happy to share this because this, to me, gives meaning to my job. So the title, again, is Some Interactions on the Bus. An older gentleman that I believe to be in his late 60s, early 70s, definitely a hippie, hopped onto my bus and explained he was from out of town and has no idea how much it costs to use our bus. I said, well, people in our 20s pay two seventy-five. People a bit more mature pay a dollar. Through his long beard and his toothless smile, he chuckled and said, well I'm said, a bit past 20. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I try to be polite. Through his long beard, his toothless smile chuckled, and he said, I'm a bit past 20, but still immature. Good for you, sir. That will be a dollar, and I'll give you a transfer for the next bus. Yeah, I'm heading up the shoreline, and I need to get in on some giddy bus. Giddy bus, I said? Something like that. A buddy of mine has an art show in at the Shoreline Town Hall, and I'm in town to see it. Very cool, I said. I think you want the E-line, which is called the Rapid Ride. Yeah, that's it. We're chatting as we headed down the road. I'll let you know when we get to that stop. Great, he said. I just got in from Spokane about an hour ago. I hitchhiked. Really? That's a long ride. Yeah, I've been four days. I picked up a ride to a Republican, then over to Wenatchee, down to Arlington, then up here. She said as a journey. Yeah, I like to get out at least once a year, hitch a ride, and go for a bit. You do that as a thing? Oh, yeah, I've been doing it for years. My buddy said I should see this show, so this was a good reason for the ride. You're a good friend, I said as we arrived at his transfer. Reached out and shook his hand. He struck me as a guy that's had a lot of good conversations. I never reach out and try to shake somebody's hand, but this guy was just compelled to. There has been what I believe is a mother and son that get onto my bus in Ballard and ride into town or from town to Ballard. Her health has been on the decline and she moves a bit more slow each time, now has a hearing aid and wears dark glasses. I tilt the bus for her. She's careful with her cane and her son holds her arm. They sit close and chat to each other. He's very attentive. They seem very close. He reminds me of my mother's last days, and as hard it is to watch a parent that is in their end of days, I think of my mom's as some of the sweetest times I had with her. She had leukemia. The last few weeks were a fast decline. I, li- I lived nearby and would go to her place each morning to check on her before work and after. One morning, she was having a difficult time getting out of bed. Mom was a big woman. Helping her out wasn't easy. As I got her to her feet, she passed out. It was all I could do to keep her from falling. And because of her size and physical condition, getting her back onto the bed was more than I could do. I held her up in a bear hug. I had my cell phone in my back pocket, and I called 911 and explained the situation. I let them know that her bladder just let loose. Dispatcher said they wouldn't be long. I called into work, let them know I wouldn't be in. She started to come to and started to cry. I'm so embarrassed, she said. Mom, don't worry about that. They're on their way. We'll get you checked in for a few days. As upsetting as that memory sounds, and the loss of some very nice Italian shoes, I found it to be a moment of intimacy that is unforgettable, and one of those moments of love and understanding that can only be achieved with a lifetime behind it. I envy them as much as I cringe what comes next for that mother and son. Don is a middle-aged man that lives in Seattle's, one of Seattle's halfway houses. Don has a great nature. He's positive. He's fun. He doesn't have walls, nor is he shy from sharing anything. He physically seems to be in great shape. I believe his situation is simply a limited mental capacity, which has never seemed to bother him. His favorite coat 
is a Mariner coat. He has gone to the expense of printing pictures all of his favorite Mariner players on his, on this coat. He shows it off with great pride, explains what each picture is, when they played, and he shares a memory of them. And there must be 30 or 40 pics on this coat. It's a good-looking jacket. I'm surprised no one has stolen his idea yet. I see Don usually around the Denny area. Lately, he sells a local newspaper to people as they pass by. He loses interest as the pigeons flock to him. He loves his birds. They sit on his arms and shoulders as he feeds them, laughing, having a blast as these birds flock around him. Sometimes it must be a crowd of 30 or 40, 50 birds around him as he puts breadcrumbs and seeds on his shoulders, feet, hands, and his head as he waves as people drive by. Life should always be as happy as feeding birds. And that that's the end of that story. That's a great story. That's a great story. Now, I, I also don't want to, to paint for our audience that being a bus driver is all uh, uh, perfume and rosebuds. Because there are days... There are days and there are times, and this is what I would like to get across to people, because this is the one thing that I've noticed. See, when I was in the restaurant business, people used to come to the restaurant because they wanted to have dinner. They had money in their pocket, and they wanted to have dinner, and they wanted to have a good time. All I had to do was facilitate that and help them have a good time and spend their money. When you are riding a bus, you don't have, or when you're riding a bus, you don't have the ability to know who you're riding a bus with and so people tend to become very very distant and not very um with it as far as far as the community i'll give you a couple of examples one time i was at um south renton park and ride and uh i was at the in the zone and i had a wheelchair i was loading so i was the gentleman in the wheelchair got in and what we do is we strap them down to keep them safe while we're traveling down the highway well, I, as I was in the middle of strapping this gentleman down, uh, two big guys get on the bus, and I say, hold on just a second, fellas. I'll come up and collect your fare in a moment. And uh, I should have gotten a clue when they said, oh, don't worry, we're not staying. And so they walked right on by me as I'm finishing up uh, with the uh, wheelchair, and they go to the back of the bus, and there's a young uh, gentleman by himself in the back of the bus, and they start pounding on him and beating him up. And, and, and so I, I turn around and look at them attacking him. I do what they're trained. They train us to do, which is I open both doors, hit the emergency button and hit the PRTT. And at this point, these two guys get off the bus. And now there's a lady who is standing or is sitting halfway between where this gentleman, where this young kid is and me and i'm going back to check on the young the young man to make sure that he's okay and to see if i need medical assistance and police and we're going to go down this this whole litany of things that need to happen and this lady as i'm walking by says looks at me and says all right they left the bus let's go that's simple huh yeah yeah i said ma'am i apologize but we're not going anywhere at the moment because we just witnessed a felony and we're we're going to have to take care of this situation. She and so she starts. Yeah. She starts to swear at me and says, "They don't care. He doesn't care. Just let's go. Get 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 in your seat and start driving." And of course, I went back and and the gentleman. Uh, he had a bloody nose, and I asked him if he wanted medical treatment, and he said no. And then the police, and he said no because he lives in the neighborhood, and this was a targeted attack, 
and uh, he knew that if he if he turned it in, that it was going to be worse for him next time. But but I was just uh, I was just shocked by the lack of empathy by some another human being as another human being is getting pummeled that that they have such a lack of empathy for them. They, and I've seen that. Have you now in your bus driving career? Have you seen that? I've seen that several times up to and including a lady that got hit by a bus and nobody moved that was on the bus, on my bus. This oh, was, my God. This was an, another bus, and everybody just sat there. <laughs> it's, it's the funniest thing. You know, thing. it is. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say it's the funniest thing to watch because people, they pretend that it didn't happen and they didn't see a thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, when are we going to go? You know, has that ever happened to you? Yeah. yeah, it has, you know. And I put this phenomenon, I'll talk about that in just a moment, but I'll put that phenomenon into people on the Internet. There's an anonymity about the whole thing, which is heartbreaking because people forget oftentimes that we're human at every moment that we're alive. And commuting with others is just another way that we can experience being human. And people with their headphones, their their sunglasses, their way to turn things off is, is uh, heartbreaking. It speaks to how irresponsible we are in building our structures of society. But this happened to me. I was driving the E-Line. I was at 185th in Aurora. And there was an older gentleman that was laying on the side of the bus stop. And his girlfriend was panicking about this. He must have been 60, 70. And I quickly opened up my door and I said, is everything okay? And she says, I think he's having a heat stroke. And I said, I'll call it in. So I called it in, and there were, I had one guy on the bus with me who started yelling that this wasn't my problem. Just close the doors and keep moving forward. There's a guy lying, dying, could be dying on the sidewalk, and this guy is telling me to move forward. And I just looked at him. I said, sir, I'll let you off the bus, but this is my problem. And he stayed on the bus. And I pretty much glared at him the whole time. I was there until the aid unit came, and then I was allowed to pull away. But I pretty much stared this guy down because I was absolutely livid with his irresponsible response and callous attitude towards another human being. At a moment when that person needs somebody the most, he could have gone out to that girlfriend and said, here, you know, I'm here to help. How you doing? Well, I called it in. No. He was determined just to go on his own life and like nothing else affects him. How do people go through life and experience a commute with all of these people? I call it a prey. All of these people going through their lives. How do you turn that off? How do you take something that's extreme like that and completely ignore it? It's uh, hurtful to see people do that. Really, and I don't know a better response to that. No, it it, it really is. And <laughs> another story. This one this one turned out okay, although he ended up going to the hospital. But I was um, um, going going down this a particular street, and I was driving the one sixty nine. And there's a stop, and it, where the stop is, there's concrete there. There is a bus shelter, and then behind the bus shelter is a ditch. Ditch is about four or five feet deep. And there was a man that was sitting, not at the bus shelter, but, but right in front of the ditch. And he was just sitting there. So I stopped the bus and opened the door. Did you want to ride? 
and he's tried to get up. He had apparently had too many uh, whiskey sours that day, and, <laughs> and, he, and, and he fell backwards into the ditch into about five inches of water. And oh, it, no. And it was, and, and he tried to get up, and he couldn't get up, and he couldn't get out of the okay. ditch, and he couldn't get up. So I stopped the bus. Obviously, I stopped the bus and opened the, and and went out, and I helped him back up. And uh, then and then uh, um, I asked him if he needed aid, which he said he did. And so I called aid, and then he we sat there until aid arrived, and uh, nobody, nobody moved on the bus. Everybody just said. <laughs> I got to listen to some, I'm, and they weren't paying attention and nobody said a word. It was, the, it was the darndest thing I'd ever seen. And nobody volunteered to help. It was like, it was like when, uh, um, I was, uh, on the Soto busway for the, those bus drivers that are listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. And, uh, there was a lady in a walker. She was walking towards the bus stop. A sound transit bus was going by her. She was fading off to the left towards the road and the front wheel of her walker caught the uh, edge of the of the uh, curb and she fell right as the bus oh. was going by and she slammed into the bus and then fell over onto the onto the ground now uh, what we're trained to do is to is to call it in so I hit the EA and we're trained to stay there so that we can direct people the the aid crew where I am and what I and and so so forth so that we can get aid to this individual as quickly as possible. Nobody on the bus moved. There was a lady in a walker that was on the ground and was not moving. Nobody. I had forty five people on the bus. Nobody moved. Oh my god! They just sat what there. What is you know? Why I don't I don't understand this. The, the lack I just don't understand the lack of human empathy, the lack of human compassion for another human being, uh, especially an older person who's infirmed. I don't get it. I don't understand. But those are the, those are the things. Those are the stories that stick out in my mind more more so than somebody that's that is being an idiot. And like the gentleman who poured a beer down my fare box, he was drunk and just being <laughs> an idiot. And and those I love that story. And those guys, I just you know, I write those guys off as uh, as being, but it's it's the lack of empathy that we have for our fellow man, which is one of the reasons, Eric, that I do this podcast and why it's uh, get rid of hate, division, and fear, so that we can all work together as one to improve the world that we live in. And as, if we are nice, not, man. if we're not even willing to get off a friggin' bus to help somebody that, that clearly needs help. We got a long way to go. What do you think? Nice, man. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Cause it's I wrote a, I wrote a story that talked about this. Oh, please. And it's uh, it also brings up a, a question of current politics. So I apologize for people that may have, a different view, but here's what's going on. I call it burning bush. What does it take to show an illustration of the hurt and pain of a nation? One glowing look at ragged canvas tells the story of our past and present situation. That was written by Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire. Seattle has its perfect summer days, the kind of days where strangers meet at bus stops and say, wow, this is perfect, not too hot, breeze is nice, you can smell the sound of the sea, 
gulls and pigeons are busy, a couple of puffy clouds, it's 5 p.m. The sun is behind the buildings, the streets are shaded, and people are heading home or to go outdoor or to go to outdoor restaurants, shopping, boating, barbecue with friends. You can feel that people want to make the most of the rest of this day. This was written a year ago, by the way, how things change in a year, right? <laughs> yeah. Three days of- <laughs> <laughs> Three days a week in the afternoon, my job description is Orca Loader, which means I scan people's Orca cards so they can go in and any door of the bus. Makes it quicker and easier for everyone. But let's be honest, it hasn't gone unspoken. My job is to show a presence, be polite, watch after people, answer truck questions, and try to give positive experience. I consider that this is the best time of my week because I get to watch people, talk to people, interact with the parade. I call the the parade the people commuting and the busyness of the streets. My workmate and I chat as we scan, and often people chime in and join the conversation. We like this. We cover a lot of subjects. As we were chatting about his 94-year-old mother-in-law that he adores, she's Japanese, old family, old school, came to America when she met her husband during World War II and the rebuilding of Japan. She is doing well, insists on doing the cleaning, keeps herself busy with doing what she calls women's work. Across from her stop is a TJ Maxx hangout of some street folks, often the ones in wheelchairs, some are otherwise handicapped, and they mix with others they know or chat with. Liquor is poured, weed is smoked, and the party and they party until they go their way. As I watch, one guy helps a paraplegic woman drink from a bottle. He wipes her chin and they laugh at something. Then a gentleman is walking across the street towards us. Older man, 70-ish, small bottle of alcohol in his hand. He's African-American, white cap on his head, clean white t-shirt, khaki shorts. He says, you gentlemen have it made. All these nice-looking young ladies, you never get too old to enjoy seeing them. It is a pleasure, I said. We get to meet and chat with all kinds of nice people. Mark here and I were just talking about his mom-in-law, who is from Japan. How's she doing? He asked. She's good, Mark answered. She, she still wants to do the housework every day. Wow. I was in Vietnam, he went on. Was there for a long time. Spent time in Malaysia. The women are lovely and good women. Yes, good women, he said as he took his drink. I spent a lot of time in other countries, he said. I've seen a lot of stuff. I love this country. It's a perfect day. We shoot each other. We cuss each other. But this is a great place to be. He went on to discuss the need for gun control. People don't need military guns. It's crazy that people get shot in churches and schools anywhere for no reason. The story goes on. That old bush just keeps on burning. Nobody seems to know that they're learning that the old bush keeps on burning. I wonder, will we ever feel the flame? It didn't used to be like this, I said. When I grew up, there weren't mass shootings like this. Well, he said, I've traveled a lot. I love this place anyway. People seem to hate the little things now. Hate. We were just talking about this, Mark said. My girl is multiracial. We had to deal with a few things, but not like this. I married a white woman, he said. She stayed a little, but I love her, and we have a good couple of kids. Sorry, dude, I said. It's fine. Been years. What do you do? As his bus arrived, he took another sip from his mini bar bottle. You guys enjoy the day. Tell those pretty ladies I said hi. We waved at him. Mark News moved north of the stop. Our way of life is on total exhibition. Shows the way in which we live in an imperfect nation. The tree of life is far from perfection. Share a little love to improve our situation. Who do you work for? She yelled. I looked around to see what was happening. Who do you work for? She yelled at me again. 
I work for Metro, King County Metro Transit, to be accurate. Why? You shouldn't be talking to people like that. I was a bit shocked. I wonder if we had said something offensive. She was outraged. Do we say something offensive? I'd like to know. You work for the county. You're talking to street trash like that? I couldn't think of anything offensive, so I asked her again. What did we say that offended you? I'd like to know. You were talking to that street trash. It's terrible. Those people are terrible. You should be ashamed. My God, I thought, what? I stepped away and leaned against the building. People moved from her. I looked at her, mid-40s, brunette, hair tied in back, glasses, jeans, shirt. Then I saw a Trump 2020 pin. I got angry and knew I needed to shut up right now because of my job. She got on a bus, self-righteous, stepping in front of a couple of people who were in line. I thought about the man, well-mannered, well-spoken, well spoken, a kind and likable face. He deserves that drink, I thought. Vietnam vet, father. He did his time. He lived his life. Nothing he said was trashy or disrespectful. In fact, I completely enjoyed my encounter. I was disgusted with myself for being off guard, breathless in the face of hate like that. This country has some serious problems. And that old bush just keeps on burning. Share the hope for future learning. I wonder, will we ever feel the flame? And that story talks about, you know, exactly what we've been discussing. You know, that inner goodness of people that we, I know that we all have. But for some reason, people turn it off at really poor times when they could change people's lives just by letting them know that they care. That is an amazing story. That you are, you are a gifted viewer of life. These things happen out there, you know, and I might have one story for a thousand things that are going on in every minute of this city, of every city across the United States, around the world. This is how people live their lives. And a lot of these things that I write about is really uh, the wonderful moment of being human and why we need to all share these things. And you can go to um, uh, Transit Transients. To, to view his blog, and he's got more up there, I'm sure, don't you, Eric? Yeah, I've got, uh, I guess, about 30 stories now. They're not all about uh, what it's like being on the bus. Some uh, stories are just about walks in the woods or uh, what I ate that day. <laughs> so <laughs> Some are, you know, worth reading, and probably others aren't so much. But uh, please take a look and uh, like and enjoy as you can. And I, I'll tell you, it's, it's really is, you know, in our day and age, and I have never seen it like this. I'm, I've been around a while. I've been around, I was around in the sixties. I vividly recall the day Martin Luther King died, the day Bobby Kennedy died, the day John Kennedy died. I recall that I, so I've been around and I've never seen such division, hate and fear that we have in our country today. And people like you are the people that can change that for the better. Like all of us, like all of us, it takes very little effort to implant something positive in people. Even just saying, have a good day, sometimes uh, makes people's day or, or brings them out of the trance. Just that little bit that you do. And I want to make it clear, I'm not always... Uh, sometimes I tune myself out. So as much as I complain about other people doing it, there are days that I do it too. It is a difficult thing to be in present in every moment of every day. Yeah, you're you're right. It is. And when I when I'm driving the bus 
and I do this for several reasons, and I've said this in, in classes and stuff. I, I make it a point to make eye contact and to say hello to every person who gets on the front of my bus. Nice. The reason I do that is, number one, I want them to feel like they're actually a human being because sometimes we are the only contact they, they will have with somebody all day. And if it's a negative contact... Yeah, if it's a negative contact, it can cause them to have a, a negative day all day. Or if it's a positive contact with a smile. Um, but you know what's, what, what, is, uh, what I've discovered? And you tell me whether this is your experience. But when I say, hey, how you doing? Or hi, or how are you? Or welcome, or whatever I say, and I try and change it up, about 20% respond. 80% just walk on by. And occasionally, there's a five... Five percent will turn around and they'll take the the headphones out of their head and say, "What'd you say?" I said, "Thank you and welcome." Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, I love that response. You know, and uh, but yeah. that's, but has that been your experience too? Yeah, that's about the right percentages for me. That's about the right percentages. I try like you. I try to look at them, engage what I say with each individual. And some people with the headphones and the sunglasses, I may not say anything. I, I might raise my hand or, or something. But a lot of them, you know, if they want to turn out the world, I don't try to intrude. But uh, I would rather have the exchange at any time than not. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, we've been talking with um, Eric Hall. He is a story writer. He's a bus driver. He was an interior designer. He's, he's a pretty talented fella, and I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast today, young man. This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed this. Well, you you are stuck, my friend, because you're going to have to come back. <laughs> I'm going to look forward to that, and I want to have that burger with that buddy of yours. <laughs> I'd like to meet that guy. He, he is quite, like quite a story. Guy. Quite a story. And, uh, yes, yes, indeed. So before we go, is there any, any last words of wisdom, anything that you'd like to tell our audience? Uh, take the bus, take the bus, wear a mask, wash your hands, um, look for people. Even if you don't engage with them, look for people, see what they're doing. You might see something you like. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be in the parade. And with this, uh, with this virus going around, we don't get to be in the parade as much as we'd like. Maybe some of us enjoy working from home rather than having to go out every day. I understand that. But being part of the parade is, uh, in my opinion, helps to make us what is human. Well said, sir. Well said. Um, with that, I'm going to uh, let us go. You've been listening to a... Uh, um, the podcast my independence report but this has been a view from the seat a couple of bus drivers sitting around talking about stories that they've had and and experiences and and uh, i'd like to think that uh that uh, we can help our fellow bus drivers have a little bit better of an attitude i would like to hope but it's really tough right now and and as frontline workers every one of them you should be thankful for because they're putting their lives on the line every time they get behind the wheel and drive the bus for 8, 10, 12, 16 hours a day. So 
So I would hope right. I would hope that you that uh, if you ride a bus, just say thank you to the bus driver. He or she is putting their life on the line for you. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for being here. And and Eric, you're going to be on again. We're gonna, we got to talk more bus stuff. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it, Kevin. Thank hey, you for thanks this. for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.